A large vault, typically an underground one for burying the dead, an enclosure for a corpse cut in the earth or in rock, a minumet for the memory of a dead person erected over their burial place. These are all definitions for tomb, and my tomb will be the doom room. I'm Alex. Oh, oh boy, I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 4, Episode 10, Tomb Patrol. That's where I got that first thing from, in case you were wondering. If you haven't seen it on Max, go watch it. We're going to spoil it. In this episode, Isabel Feathers has been partially beaten, but she's back, and she's doing a one-woman show, trying to get the Doom Patrol to come visit her. But doesn't really happen. Instead, they find out a big revelation, which is that somehow Niles Calder's necklace came from something on the back of her neck that seems to be giving her her time powers so they can take that off. It should potentially beat Isabel. At the same time, the Doom Patrol themselves are going through a lot of stuff. They're dealing with they're getting much older. Rita, in particular, is an old lady now. She just wants to have dinner at four o'clock like a normal old lady. Cliff and Jane take a very brief trip to blow up toilets in Florida, but it doesn't work out. Uh, Larry and Mohinder, I'm going to say, I don't remember yeah. his character's name. They get in a little bit of a fight, but they're figuring out their relationship, and Larry's trying to figure out what to do with Keeg after he dies. And uh, we get a little bit more movement on the underground puzzle, but most importantly and biggest, Cyborg is back. He's better than ever. He's back in the armor. His choice. His dad does it with him. It's going to be a new day for Cyborg. But at the end, they're fighting an army of zombie butts who've taken over Cloverton and ended up at a portal and potentially are going to be stuck in there forever. Or The, the butts episode. are back. Butts are back. Tell a friend. Right? You know what I'm talking about. What did <laughs> you think about this episode, Pete? Obviously, you and I were very split on the last episode, the musical episode. Not a lot of singing in this one, but still some theater. How would you feel about it? Oh, so much better. Uh, you know, opened right up with the butt hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was great to see all that kind of uh getting getting things back uh riding the ship. You know what I mean? I did like that scene. I love seeing butt hunter slash beard hunter. That's a very fun yeah. character. We don't yeah. get to see that guy kills it. He does kill it. He kills the butts. He's killing them butts, right? Yep. And he does that cigarette butt joke. I mean, these guys, you know. It's, He's on fire, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that cigarette butt, I would say it was more of a crack than a joke. Boo. 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 <laughs> anyway, he gets recruited by the butts. We don't exactly see what happens there. What do you think's going on with that plot line? Well, I think that, you know, as we saw that wife turn into wear butt, I think there is some... Uh, you know, the butts aren't just these kind of dumb zombie-like kind of, uh, it turns out they can talk and they've got brains in those butts. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we could be in real trouble here. There's some real movement behind the scenes, you know what I mean? I did like that, just to talk about that a little bit. We get to see Margaret Yu, who was the scientist we met last season, who, yeah. as it turns out, I guess, fell in love with Bud. I thought it was more of like a... Never trust a scientist. Mm-hmm. platonic relationship but it turns out it's very much not that they really care for each other and love each other and she becomes aware but but the other but uh is gonna try to help her out so we're sort of getting a butt civil war at the same time i was 
yeah, I was disappointed. Seems in the like the butts be- are split, is what I'd say. Oh my god, I was hoping you wouldn't do that, but you did. So yeah, what's what's Sorry, tough I'm is a little cheeky today. Oh God, I wish you would stop, Nicholas. <laughs> the butt is. Um, you know, it seems like the relationship is very one-sided, you know, like she mm. was okay with turning into a butt, you know, because it would bring them closer together. And he's like, I think it's kind of skeevy. And uh, so that really made me worried about their relationship. So uh, death well, to all butts, a, I guess. That's a pretty typical relationship thing, though, I think, right? Like over time, eventually couples start to look like each other. And that can be a good thing. You could be like, oh, that's that's fine. That's what happens. But for some people, they're like, I don't want to date myself. You, We can't do this. We got to break up. And so I think that's kind of what's happening here, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just tough that, uh, you know, you turn into a werebot uh, for your love and uh, then that person turns you away. You know, mm-hmm. that's just. It's another thing that happens in relationships. You change for your partner and then that's not actually what they want, you know? Yeah, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It is awful. Great. I'm glad we agree with this nonsense point that I'm making. Yep. I wanted to talk about Vic. I feel like that's one of the big takeaways from the episode because he goes yeah. through the whole arc here. How do also, you feel about logistically, this? it was really rough because, like, okay, the first time he turned into Cyborg, they needed to do that to save his life. You know what I mean? So, like, his body was burnt and missing pieces and all this kind of stuff. So, like, they needed this, the the machine to save the man inside of him, right? But this time... They're like, we're just going to throw some stuff over your arms and legs. And I was kind of, it's it was really hard. The whole time I've been like, turn back into Cyborg. Why won't you turn back into Cyborg? And then he's just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to turn back into Cyborg. And I was like, why? I should be happy. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I don't know about this, Vic. It seems like it, it's, I don't know. It just didn't feel like I, you know, he's been walking around talking with his friend, but I, we, I guess we didn't get enough time of him being like, uh, I miss having the abilities and kind of doing that stuff, uh, you know, because he's been a hero still. And I love that mm-hmm. part with his dad talking to him about like, you've, you know, you haven't got new hobbies. You didn't, you know, you stayed a hero the whole time, which is very sweet and cool. But I don't know. I just kind of, he was kind of like, I don't know, Dad, what do you think? Should I just kind of have a crazy operation to become a metal boy again? Or, you know, I want him to kind of walk in there and be like, Dad, I don't care if you think this is crazy. I want to be cyborg again. You know what I mean? With some mm-hmm. real kind of, uh, well, I don't know. I think in the middle of that somewhere you made this point, which is, ah, ah. <laughs> I mean, you said a lot of stuff there. Uh, and it was that- rambling. He's doing fine. Like the stuff that he's been dealing with, he's been dealing with okay. We haven't really seen a lot of scenes where they've been like, you get out of here, Vic. We don't need you because he's been right in the mix on pretty much everything. They're not really Mm. dealing with these physical threats so far. The zombie butts are that physical threat that are coming and that's when they need him. But ultimately he's been okay. So this decision to turn back into Cyborg now felt weird to me. Also on the logistical front, Maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but as far as I got what happened, he still is cyborg. He's just wearing new skin. Like they didn't take all the cyborg stuff out of him because he didn't have any more body there. All they did was sort of cover it up with a synthetic layer of skin so that he looked more normal. So he still has metal bones and stuff. Really? That's what I thought happened. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought they turned him into a, a human boy. 
No, because I think the idea was like to remove the cyborg stuff on top and deconnect him from grid so that he wouldn't mm. be constantly getting input. And that way he'd be able to function like a normal human being. But he lost most of his body. Like they didn't give him new bones and stuff or anything like that. They just gave him new skin. They like they literally reskinned him. Again, could be totally wrong, but I thought that was the implication of what's happening here. I don't. So you don't think so? No, I just don't like how casually you said the word reskinned. Like it's like that's a video a game term. Like you reskin your character. Okay. Yes. No, I'm not joking. That's a real thing. I'm not trying to be cheeky again or anything. Oh, um, that's the real poop, Pete. Anyway, the. So given that, if I'm correct about that, and I might be wildly wrong, it feels like they could figure out another solution here. And maybe they have, to your point. Maybe it is something that is going over you know, his clothes, over his body. It's just an apparatus that he puts on. But if it legitimately is, he's like, Dad, take off my skin and turn me into a monster again, that's a weird choice. Yeah. Uh, and I was yeah. waiting for like this kind of like him screaming in a chair shot, you know, mm-hmm. of like, you know, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I, I'm with you there on it. It feels like, eh, it's more fun to have a cyborg. Let's just have a cyborg, yeah. but yeah. it does feel like backward movement. And I, I need to see in these last two episodes, how it's different at all. We We only got two more. Two more, I believe, right? This is the 10th episode. Yeah, two yeah, more. It and that's the it. Tenth, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Next episode is Portal Patrol. And then the last episode is Dun Patrol. Oh, no. I will say to jump over to something entirely different, last episode of this podcast, we were talking about is it going to feel like the show's ending or just the season's ending? This episode felt like the show is ending. Oh, you got yeah. that as well. I'm sitting, sitting around the fire talking about the good old days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really felt like, yeah, we were kind of getting close to the end, which is sad. We've had a lot of crazy adventures with this team, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, no, it is crazy. Like, watching that scene by the fireplace, I could not believe, thinking back, like, we have consistently been doing a Doom Patrol podcast for all four seasons from the moment it first came out right up until now. And that's very cool. Like, I I don't want to laud us too much, but that's an incredible commitment on our part that we decided on our own to do a Doom Patrol podcast, started doing it. Are you trying to piss off every listener we've ever had? Is that it? You're just going at people one one by one? I don't know what you mean. People give their time. You know, they support us, and then you just shit on them because you're a giant butt. That's why. Ah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. They seem very intelligent. I did really love that scene where they're reminiscing. I loved talking about all the adventures. It was very sweet. It was very sad. But it also got to the idea that beneath all the ribbing and the I don't care about this, they really do care. And they really that's do care what, about what was so other. hard because when Cliff stormed out and Rita and Larry all stormed away, I was like, you guys are going to come back to this fucking table. You know that. Stop lying to yourself. So it was a little frustrating for that whole kind of storm out. And then by the end of the episode, they're like, we're family and we love each other. I was like, you fucks. Um, It's, you know, that was really frustrating. I liked how Cliff was like, hey, uh, do you want to go to Florida, you know, so I can see my daughter? And she was like, hell no. Do you want to go to Florida and blow up some toilets with them ladies? And she's like, okay. (laughs) So funny. Just yeah. so funny. 
That was great. The cliff stuff seemed pretty straightforward. This episode, like classic, I don't want to be here. I'm going to blow up some toilets. Uh Oh, I have Parkinson's. Now I'm back. You know, and that's kind of what was going on with him in this episode. Yeah, it drives me nuts a little bit where it would be nice because it's like sometimes he's good Cliff, sometimes he's horrible Cliff, and sometimes he's just making dumb decisions. Uh, it was great to see him in his ride and driving, that, even though it was slow in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was still pretty sweet. That was pretty sweet. I do think, though, we have to talk about what's going on with Jane because I thought about you during this plot line, Pete. Lots of stuff happening here as she is starting to accept herself Obviously, that's when the puzzle pieces start to come together. But she goes to the underground, and we find out everybody, Hammerhead, Chainsaw Nun, Pretty Polly, they've all been turned into dust, Pete. Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. That's very shitty that the underground is all dead. Um, I love all of the underground and all the fun characters, so that's that really sucks. Um but I'm glad we're finally dealing with it because I'm sick of Jane for episodes being like, yeah, I just don't care about the underground anymore. And I was like, oh, really? Because it seemed like a huge part of who you were for many seasons. So, okay, whatevs. Um, and the fact that, like, she only, you know, the fact that she spends two seconds in front of the puzzles and then just, like, walks away drives me fucking insane. But I'm glad we're getting more kind of clarity about it. I'm also a little confused because we had... It almost seemed like the underground was associated with that character who just came alive, and then she's gone for some reason. I don't know where that blonde lady is Casey, anymore. You mean? Casey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Casey and Dorothy aren't here this episode, which is weird. Weird. I assume, I assume that's just TV land, necessity, recurring capacity. They only had them for a certain amount of episodes. But yes, it is strange. It just there. sucked. Yeah, because it was like they were a big part of it, and then they're like, yeah, you know. We're going to get a flashback of Casey. She seems important, but we have no idea where she is. Yeah, that was a little strange. It was also a little strange to not have Dorothy when we're looping back to the Niles stuff with his necklace and everything. I assume they're going to come back by the final episode, but I agree with you. It it was their absence was noticeable, particularly because we spent so much time in the last episode being like, finally, here's the whole team together all at once. And as much as I appreciated the focus on the core quattro, I don't know, the core team, core four of, core four of the Doom Patrol, um, and a bit about Madame Rouge and, this, and Vic, I don't know. Well, you know what I'm saying. Point being, mm-hmm. like, we got back to the core there, and but I don't think it would have been distracting to have Dorothy and Casey there as well. So, oh, whatever it is. Yeah, um, I, it's also weird that Larry's making a lot of decisions about Keeg, and he's like, "Stop trying to communicate with Keeg." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where he's like, he's like, "Yeah, ah, it's just not going well with Keeg." And I was like, oh, "You used to really struggle to find ways to communicate with each other, and now it's just like, hey, we don't have money in the budget to make Keeg appear, so we're not going to even fuck with that at all." You know? Yeah. And it's like Jesus. I mean, and maybe that's true. I mean, sometimes you are dealing with budgetary issues like that, and that's just a thing you have to roll with. It does make me feel like, though, that they have a lot. Even more than last episode to resolve in two episodes. Because not only are we going to have now like full-on zombie butt apocalypse, Amortis is still in play. I think you had suggested last episode that maybe they were going to team up. That doesn't seem likely after this episode. So now they're in a portal for all of next episode, I guess. 
So we're going to have to evolve that as well as all of their potential emotional catharsis in one episode. A lot of stuff. Particularly because Larry. I mean, I bring this up at the Larry thing because Larry's like, yeah, maybe I need to go into space to find Keeg's home planet and uh, take him back there. And I was like, that's a whole thing. That's like half a season. What are you talking about? We don't have time for that, Larry. Just bury yourself in that hole in the garden and move on. The. If that's the last we see Mo Hinder, that was fucked up where Larry was just like, fuck you for giving me hope. I was like, is that it? Larry, that's how you're going to do fucking Mo Hinder? And that's the last we're ever going to see of him? I don't know. I haven't seen the last couple of episodes. I do think he'll come back. I feel like we're going to get, if not a happy ending for everybody, a satisfied ending, you know? So we'll we'll see. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really not sure at this point. Who else? Oh, Rita. We should talk about Rita. I thought April Bulby was great in this episode. Oh, I know I she lauded just... the old age makeup the last episode. Really good this episode as well. She yeah. plays a great old lady. Um, and her heartbreak in several scenes, like the dinner scene <sighs> with Larry, where she's like, you want to talk about death. I don't want to talk about death. I thought it was such an interesting perspective because so many TV shows and movies are like, no, you need to face the inevitability of death. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just want to forget about it and have dinner, you know? And I, I love, I loved, I love seeing myself on screen there, you know? <laughs> I hear you. I, speaking of seeing myself on screen, uh, we, uh, you know, you're still living in New York City. I spent a lot of time in New York City. I've seen a lot of one person shows, mm-hmm. and uh, just the fact that Amortis did a one person show was hysterical. I thought that was such a fun kind of playing with that trope of being born and the whole like every little bit. The being half mom, half daughter was hysterical, just like such a great use of kind of like uh, one person show kind of like, uh, you know, attire and like makeup and the whole kind of, you know, like how can I quickly change back and forth between, I just thought it was just so funny on so many levels. How did you feel about that? I I really enjoyed it as well. I loved the thing of her being born and coming out of the womb. That was particularly hilarious. The dangling yeah. umbilical cord coming yeah, after the costume. Walks away. Just, yeah. just a very funny little visual joke. Before that, I loved her line. I, I should have written it out exactly what it is, but she's like, yeah, we really got to workshop it. I don't, I don't think it's going to make it to Broadway until like next week. Next week, yeah, just so funny. <laughs> That's great. And the fact that she was like, I'll do one show and then it'll be ready for opening night. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? That was great. I also, I felt it was a little meta. Maybe this is me reading into the fact that I still don't quite know what they're doing with Mortis and Isabel Feathers. That after when she asked the audience for feedback, they were like, well, the character is so unlikable. And what even is the plot? Like, I, I can't follow the trajectory of her character. I was like, yes, same here. Try watching this for four seasons, brah. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that was pretty funny to me. And I did like how it played off of, it was interesting to see her play off of Laura slash Madame Rouge versus yeah. Rita, who seemed like 
who you might expect from that plot line. So. Yeah, I was really surprised that I was like, oh, the playhouse, here we go, Rita's, you know, sweet spot. Like, mm-hmm. what is she going to think of this one woman show? And the fact that she wasn't there, I was a little, like, initially upset. But having Madame Rouge in the background, like, last row, kind of being like, yikes, was mm-hmm. just so fun and well done. And the fact that she was like, actually, it wasn't that bad. I was like, liar. Yes, definitely lying. I also liked... Her using this as a way of maybe toying with being a villain again because the hero yeah. thing isn't working out with her. I thought that was an interesting character move. Though ultimately, she went for that thing on the back of the deck in the worst way possible. You wait. Yeah, just like showing a sword and then being like, well, wait I until mean, she turns around, man. Yeah, exactly. Then you grab it off the back of her neck. Yeah, then your hand turns into a sword and you cut it off. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. You don't show them what you're going to do. That's turning your hand into a sword 101. Everybody knows that. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, super frustrating. What else? We got a booyah from Cyborg at the end. Yeah. That was fun. I like how uh, Mortis was like, Dub- I want a double EGOT winner. It's, uh, that was a hysterical line that she said. Mm-hmm. I did like her more in this episode. And I think yes. what I liked about her is rather than all powerful villain Amortis, pissy theater brat Amortis <laughs> is much funnier. It is much funnier. It is. And being like, nobody gets me. You know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so talented and so amazing. Yeah, it fits so much better. I think I agree with you. That was a great, cool, great. Point. Anything else you want to call out, Pete? Um, the Hoda Kathy Lee kind of supervillain thing was just such a you could be my Hoda. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was just really great. Uh, yeah, it was nice to have lead, uh, Larry and Rita kind of back together being friends again and kind of just, uh, and we also got Cliff kind of given BB-8 is back kind of moment was a fun mm-hmm. line. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's just such a trope that, you know, somebody showing up just in the nick of the time. But when Cyborg shows up and, uh, you know, blasts the butts, uh, I was I cheered. I was yeah, like, yeah. yes. Yeah, that yeah. was very fun. Oh, I wanted to shout out Rita blobbing out to help with her arthritis towards the beginning. That was a fun That's little a, bit. Sometimes you just got to let it out a little fun bit. Fun use of her powers in this yeah. situation. I thought that was good. All right. Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about who's most doomed this episode? Pete, you got any ideas? They're all they're all not doomed. They're all fucking doomed. Uh, I'm really worried about how doomed Jane is, though. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. one piece got connected, uh, but we, there's a lot more to that puzzle. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that uh, she needs to say something that she do you know what she needs to say? I love you. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And there's that creepy dude. Uh, or her dad who abused. Yeah. Yeah, That's, yeah there's uh, more to come in that. Lots to do with the last two episodes. I'm going to throw it out. I, I think Rita is the most doomed. She is near death by the end of this episode. I still do think Laura is going to sacrifice herself for everybody. And that's why she's not there in the future. Even though the implication here is that the future has changed because Vic shows up in the cyborg suit. So things are not going to go the same way as they did towards the beginning of the season. But at the same time, this episode, I'd say, Rita, season in general, I don't think Laura is going to make it out of it. But we'll see what happens. We're almost there. We've got two more episodes. Come on. Come I hope on. they're a great last two. 
Bring it home. I would love to make these four years that we've done this podcast definitely worth it. Yeah! If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Before we end here, a Pete of advice from Pete LePage. Well, as the Doom Patrol is a madcap of uh, different collected individuals, I'd just like to point out that uh, it takes all kinds of people. We need all different types of people. And I think I know growing up, I was I wanted to be something else that I wasn't. And, you know, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, it's okay to be you, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And if anybody tells you that, just you write back to them. You say you hate us because you ain't us. <laughs> oh, you fucking asshole. I hate that I set you up for that. <laughs>